0: Welcome to our communion service tonight. Thank you for being here. And uh, when it comes to communion and singing about Jesus, of course, we can sing about his worth. And that's how we'll start out tonight by singing Worthy of Worship. Uh, why don't you st- let's stand for this first song, if we would please Worthy of Worship. is worthy worthy of worship Mm -hmm. worthy Wonderful count. Yeah. just a pretty song father it's a song that we mean from our hearts that we recognize communion service tonight thank you so much for jesus christ the one that already was worthy before coming to earth but sh- humbly graciously showed it to mankind sacrificially in every way and the only worthy sacrifice that ever could be thank you so much for paying our price in jesus name Amen. My right. Savior first of all so three verses of this When my life were kissing. shall know my Redeemer when I reach the other side, and this smile will be the first to welcome me. I shall know Him, I shall know Him, and redeemed by His side I shall stand. I shall know Him, I shall know Him, by the print of His name. Soul thrilling rapture when I view his blessed face and the luster of his kindly beaming eye. How my whole heart will praise him. White. Thank you. Let's be seated.
1: Direct your attention to begin this evening to John chapter 20. This passage we read, when Christ first appeared to the disciples after his resurrection maybe I'll get my glasses out I don't know stuck on something I'm not listening to the radio or anything that sends pulses to my back and kinda soothes it a little bit. It's not on right now. but Anyway. John chapter 20 and verse 19. Then the same day at evening, being the first day of the week, when the doors were shut where the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews, came Jesus and stood in the midst and said unto them, Peace be unto you. And when He had so said, He showed unto them his hands and his side. Then were the disciples glad when they saw the Lord. He showed to them after his resurrection his hands and his side. The wounds of his crucifixion. We know that when Christ was nailed to the cross, he put nails through his hands and through his feet, and then the spear through his side. The soldier pierced his side. But this is after his resurrection. This is in Jesus' glorified body. And yet he still has the wounds of the crucifixion. I read in scripture when I get to heaven in my glorified body, there will be no more sickness, no more disease, no more back pain, uh, no more glasses. All of our our ailments will be healed. All of our, our imperfections will not be there anymore. The song we just sang. My Savior, first of all, written by Fanny Crosby. She's not going to be blind anymore. The glorified body is going to be perfect. And yet it seems here that there's going to be one glorified body that's not perfect. It's going to have wounds. We won't, but apparently Jesus in His glorified body kept His wounds. So my question tonight is simply, why? Why did Jesus keep His wounds? Let's bow in prayer. Father, guide us this evening as we would consider this thought and rejoice in our Savior's sacrifice in our behalf, rejoice in the wounds on His hands, His feet, reminding us of that sacrifice for us. And as we gather around this table tonight, we are to remember that sacrifice. For our sins He died, for our sins He was crucified, He took the penalty in our place so that we might stand someday at His side redeemed. It's in Jesus' name we pray, Amen. Here in John 20 when Christ appeared to the disciples He showed them those wounds and immediately that identified Christ, that it was indeed The same Christ, the same Jesus. It was not uh, an imposter, it was not just in spirit, he was there in body, it was a bodily resurrection. And we also read that uh, at that time Thomas was not there. And uh, over in verse 24, but Thomas, one of the twelve called Didymus, was not with them when Jesus came. The other disciples therefore said unto him, We have seen the Lord. But he said unto them, Except I shall see in his hands the print of the nails, and put my finger into the print of the nails, and thrust my hand into his side, I will not believe. Thomas said, Unless I see those wounds, I'm not going to believe it. Well, verse 26, And after eight days again the disciples were inside, and Thomas with them, Then came Jesus, the doors being shut, and stood in the midst and said, Peace be unto you. Then said he to Thomas, Reach here your finger. Behold my hands. Reach here your hand and thrust it into my side, and be not faithless, but believe. And Thomas answered and said unto him, My Lord and my God. Why did Jesus keep his wounds? Well, one reason, it was his identification. It identified him as indeed the one who was crucified. Again, he was not an impostor. He rose again. And he was not just in spirit, but he was in body. It was a bodily resurrection. And so he keeps those wounds as his identification. First to the disciples without Thomas, and he showed them the wounds and and they, they believed. And then when Thomas was there, he said, go ahead. He took Thomas up on his word, he said, go ahead. Now there's no indication that Thomas put his finger into those wounds. Thomas saw and believed. So Christ kept those wounds simply as his identification. And as we just sang, uh, Fanny Crosby again being blind, she said, I'm going to see my Savior and I'm going to know him by the print of the nails in his hand. We're going to see Christ. We're going to know him because of the print of the nails in his hand. That will be his identification. Even in the future, and you don't need to turn to it, but in Revelation chapter 5, we read when the, the, uh, the scroll was, was presented and, and no one was found worthy to, to unseal the scroll, but then it says, I wept, that is John, I wept much because no man was found worthy to open and to read the scroll, neither to look on it. And one of the elders said unto me, Weep not, behold the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David hath prevailed to open the scroll and to loose its seven seals. And I beheld and lo, in the midst of the throne and of the four living creatures, and in the midst of the outer stood a lamb as though it had been slain. How did John recognize a lamb that had been slain? Did he see the wounds of our Savior? The only way he could recognize the lamb that was slain would be the, the wounds of crucifixion. And John identified this one as the lamb that was slain. He kept his wounds for his identification. I think he also kept his wounds for his glory. For his glory. If you want to, you can turn with me to 1 Peter chapter 1. This is not a a new thought to you, but just as a reminder, 1 Peter chapter 1. We read that the, the angels are, are interested in, in looking into this salvation of man. Now, God didn't provide salvation for the fallen angels, but He did provide salvation for the fallen man. And the angels are, are curious about that. They desire to look into it. In 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 10, "...of which salvation the prophets have inquired and searched diligently, who prophesied of the grace that should come unto you." Searching what or what manner of time the Spirit of Christ who was in them did signify when He testified beforehand the sufferings of Christ and the glory that should follow, unto whom it was revealed that not unto themselves but unto us they did minister the things which are now reported unto you by them that have preached the gospel unto you with the Holy Spirit sent down from heaven, which things the angels desire to look into. The angels desire to look into this this salvation of man. We read in Ephesians chapter uh, 3 as well that that the angels, uh, God is using the church as an object lesson to the angels of his love, of his grace, and of his wisdom. You know, the angels are not omniscient. The angels are growing in knowledge just as we are. Obviously, they know a whole lot more than we do. But they are not omniscient, they don't know everything, they're still learning and they're still growing in their knowledge of God as well. And one of the things that they're growing in is is growing in their knowledge of God's love and mercy and grace. And how are they learning of that love and mercy and grace? By looking at how God has saved man, because God didn't save angels. He didn't show grace and mercy to the fallen angels. So the angels are learning of that love and grace by looking at us and God using us as that object lesson. And not only are the angels not omniscient but they're not omnipresent. Some of the angels were present at the birth of Christ. They announced the the birth to the the shepherds. And we read that there were some angels that ministered to Christ uh, after the temptation. And uh, couple of other times that maybe angels had ministered to Christ, but the vast majority of the angels, we have to assume anyway, that the vast majority of the angels saw Jesus in heaven before he came to the earth and then did not see him again until he was resurrected and went back to heaven. Now maybe I'm using too much of my imagination here, but think about that. The angels they had been with with God the Father and God the Son and and they had lived in heaven together and they were glorifying God the Father and God the Son and then all of a sudden God the Son left. Thirty-three years later He's back. He's back with a body and that body has wounds in it. Can you imagine the, the questions that that must have raised? Where did you go? What did you do? What happened to you down there? (laughs) And as they learned the answers to those questions, they grew in their knowledge of God's love and God's grace and God's mercy. So he kept those wounds for his glory even among the angels. The angels were able to glorify him because of that love and that mercy. And certainly when we reach heaven and we know him by the print of the nails in his hands, it will bring glory to him as we meet him face to face. So it was his identification. I believe it was for his glory. I'd say he kept his wounds also as, as a, I don't know, maybe a lack of a better term, for, as a trophy or as a badge of courage or, or maybe a sign of victory. However you want to think about that. Think about a a soldier who who is in battle and gets wounded. Now that soldier can respond to that wound in battle in one of two ways. In the future he can look at that wound and become very bitter. Or he could look at that wound as, as a sign of victory. I fought in the battle and I was victorious in the battle. I fought for freedom for our country and we were victorious and we have freedom in our country and that wound can become kind of a a, a badge of courage perhaps or just a sign of victory. I fought and won. Did Christ keep his wounds as kind of a sign of victory? He fought the battle with Satan and he won. He fought the battle of, of the wickedness of man and he won. He fought with sin and he won. He fought with death and he won. And those wounds remind us that he was victorious in the battle. A sign of victory. He kept his wounds, I believe, also as an accusation against the unbeliever. at the great white throne judgment, when the unbeliever stand before God and before Christ, I don't think Christ is going to have to say a word. He'll just show them his wounds and every excuse will be wiped away. Man comes up with all kinds of excuses why they don't accept Christ. And sometimes, perhaps, some of the excuse, well, my sin's not that bad. I certainly don't deserve hell. And all Christ has to do is show his wounds. Yes, man is wicked. Man is depraved. This is what man did to the Creator. You do deserve hell. You'll just have to show his wounds. And those wounds in and of themselves will be the accusation Against the unbeliever. In Romans chapter 3. Again you don't need to turn to it. It says that every mouth will be stopped. And all the world will become guilty before God. What's going to stop every mouth? The wounds of our Savior. What will pronounce the whole world guilty before God? the wounds of our Savior. He just has to show them. I think He kept His wounds as an example to us as believers. Turn to 1st Peter chapter 2, if you're there in chapter 1 still, go just a page over to chapter 2. Verse 21, For even hereunto were you called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that you should follow in his steps, who did no sin, neither was guile found in his mouth, who when he was reviled, reviled not again. When he suffered, he threatened not, but committed himself to him that judges righteously, whose own self bore our sin in his own body on the tree, that we, being dead to sins, should live unto righteousness, by whose stripes you were healed. He says that Christ suffering left us an example that we should follow in his steps. In other words, we are called to suffer. We don't like to hear that so much, but we are called to suffer. Here in America, you know, we we like our health and wealth gospel, but the Bible knows nothing about a health and wealth gospel. Bible tells me that those who will live godly in this world will suffer persecution. Bible tells me that as Christ suffered, I'm going to suffer. And so his wounds remind us that Christ suffered. And as Christ suffered, we're called to suffer also. We will be victorious just as he was. And we will spend eternity without suffering just as he will. But in the meantime, those wounds remind us of His suffering as an example for us that we too will suffer. Those that will live godly will suffer persecution. Christ suffered persecution leaving us an example and those wounds remind us of that example. And I believe also if you want to turn to Hebrews chapter 4 let back a few pages from First Peter there, Hebrews chapter 4. That verse, uh, those verses that we, we love so much in Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 14. Seeing then that we have a great high priest that is passed into the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession, for we have not a high priest who cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. We have a high priest that can sympathize with us. His wounds prove it. He suffered. He feels with us. He knows what we're going through. As we go through the sufferings, he knows, he understands because he went through it too. His wounds prove it. And so his wounds prove his his sympathy for us. His wounds prove his empathy for us. He experienced what we experience. And because we know that truth, we can come to a a God that does know what we're going through. Think about praying to a God, perhaps, that, that never became a man and really never experienced what we experience. It wouldn't be the same, would it? But our God did experience what we experience. He did suffer. He can sympathize with us. He does know what we're going through. And because He knows what we're going through, we can come boldly to that throne of grace and find help in time of need. We can come to one who who feels with us and find that grace and that help. His wounds prove that he is sympathetic towards us. Why did Jesus keep his wounds? For his identification. For his glory among the angels and amongst us. As a sign of victory. As an accusation against the unbeliever. As an example for the believer. And as proof of his sympathy for us. I shall know him, I shall know him by the print of the nails in his hand." Let's bow in prayer. Thank you, Father, for our time together around this table tonight when we can remember our Savior's sacrifice, the print of the nails in his hand, prove that sacrifice, prove his victory over sin and death, just as an example for us and as, as proof as of his as sympathy for us, Father, we just rejoice in the print of the nails in his hand. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. THANK YOU.